Hello and welcome to the Millennial Insider, where we discuss common issues affecting young people in their 20s and 30s. Today we'll be discussing dyslexia and ASD, or um, Autistic Spectrum Disorder. Um, We'll be focusing on Chloe's personal experience with dyslexia. And Chloe will be talking about um, how she copes with dyslexia in the workplace and about how um, disorders don't stop you from being the person that you want to be and doing what you want to do. So before we um, go into the specifics, um, I just thought that I'd recap what dyslexia is for those listeners out there who might be unsure. Dyslexia is a learning disorder um, and it involves difficulty reading due to problems identifying speech sounds and learning how they relate to um, letters and words, which is called decoding. Um, It's a reading disability and it affects the areas of the brain that process language. So, Chloe, when were you first diagnosed with dyslexia? Um, Age nine. But it was kind of from the get-go starting school in reception, aged five, that I did have issues with reading and writing always in them side groups you know like taking out a class that type of thing so officially diagnosed by someone from the british council of dyslexia association which is like the dyslexia voice for the uk sorry um age nine so it's been 16 years um i've got a mild form of that so like between the ages of sort of five and six is when you really first start that's when you notice to read. and pick up that someone's got dyslexia. Yeah. And then how did that impact you um, when you're younger, you go through like, reading levels and stuff? It, it, I don't know, like, it, it just confidence. And I knew from, like, I knew from five to six-year-old that, like, my reading wasn't the same as everyone else's. Taken out of classes and not being given the same spellings as everyone else, that type of thing. And not being able to spell some words. I kind of always knew from an age of six-year-old that my spelling wasn't and writing wasn't the same as the average, um, you know, Joe Callum in the class. That must have been quite hard, though, being, you know, being, being that age and feeling like you were different to your peers. That must have been really hard. It was. It knocked my confidence massively through the whole education system of, like, from the first year of school or like the last year of school and year 11 16 always felt like I was different in secondary school like giving extra time and a reader and like not being in the main exam hall and you know like just always known that you were different and I think a lot of people have really bad misconceptions of dyslexics there's a lot of really bad misconceptions about us being low achievers the recent poll suggested that 80% of people associate dyslexia with a low intelligence. So kind of like when they think of someone who's successful in life and who's achieved really good things, they don't think of someone who has dyslexia. Yeah, because dyslexics are obvi- uh, um, uh, usually are generally rela- um, labelled as being like lazy or dumb or, you know, messy. Or they're just, not, they're just not trying hard enough. But actually, these are... These can be bright, very intelligent people who are just unable to read, write and spell at the same level as maybe their peers are. It's just your brain works differently. So your brain is a dyslexic. It, it works differently to everyone else's. It doesn't mean you're fake or stupid. It just means it's, you know, d- like dyslexia is not linked to intelligence. Um, studies have found that most people who are dyslexic have a very strong visual creative 
like outlook so dyslexics are more likely to be bit more into the arts more into like drama music drama music sports. radio sports that type of thing excel at and most studies show that dyslexics IQs are either average to everyone else's or higher we don't have a lower IQ than everyone else I think that's another thing because I I read somewhere once that it's a bit like words sort of moving around on the page like letters jumping around so you just can't focus on it properly concentration yeah so like my like trait of dyslexia is basically if I write something so obviously I have my blog project Middlesbrough which involves a lot of writing um, and if I'm doing a 500 word article I will very commonly maybe miss words like in or the out of a sentence but I won't realise I'm doing it unless I read back which obviously I have to do you know um, not being able to spell things not seeing certain letters on a page that type of thing that's kind of what dyslexia is and I think it's very much paintbrushed as like you've just said like low intelligence low achievers lazy no can't read or write I can, I can read and write you know I mean I can I have people say things to me like can you actually read and I'm I'm, I'm I just think yeah of course I can read like I, I do um, my job my like day job involves re- like spelling and reading medical terminology and yeah when I first started it was a challenge but I packed to it and I'm fine I've not had any problems yeah you have quite a successful the Project Millsburg blog is quite a successful blog thank you you know you write articles pretty frequently and that maybe gives the message out to there to any people who you know young children maybe that are suffering from dyslexia and feel like I wouldn't be able to uh, produce anything like that I can't write that you can do it you, just because your brain doesn't work the same way as everybody else's doesn't mean that it's unachievable. Yeah. Dyslexia is the most common learning difficulty in the world. So of all the learning disabilities that there is, it's the most common one in in people. And it's around 10% of the world population will have it. So it's not some uncommon thing. One in 10 UK British adults have got some form of dyslexia. So I think there needs to be like, an understanding within the education system to kind of change the outlook on dyslexia because when I was in college and university my experience with it was like brilliant and fine but when I was at school there was a lot of times where I got really frustrated by teachers prime example is because my English obviously dyslexia is linked to English when I did my GCSEs everyone thought oh she's not going to like get anything from a GCSE English and um, at the time when I like did my GCSEs it was 40% coursework which is you know like written up essays and also um, exams and we took the exam early in school in year 11 in the January instead of the May and I ended up getting a B in the coursework and then I ended up getting a C in the exam because my teacher put me in the higher tier paper because she said I want you to be in the higher tier paper because I think you've got more chance of passing and then when the results came in, and like I did get end up getting that grade C, which everybody wants. Some people who work within like learning disabilities within the school were like really shocked, and were kind of like, I think I was maybe one of maybe four dyslexics that passed that day, but like I felt like that some people didn't have belief in me. That my English teacher really helped me, but I think that just shows that like just because you're dyslexic doesn't mean you can't pass your English GCSE. I thought that was, that's one of my like proudest moments ever as a dyslexic, I think, definitely. Yeah, it really sounds like you're quite proud of that moment and Hands maybe down. it was pivotal in 
you knowing that you can succeed at writing things to to the point that now you run a successful blog where you write articles yeah. and you write for your radio show yeah I mean like that's it like even doing like radio you've got to like make notes and that type of thing and nine years after leaving school like I've got a job like I said where I work in um, the hospital like I always tell everybody um, and I'm obviously like same medical terminology talking to doctors and I'm fine doing that and then obviously I write at least two articles a week I get paid to do some of them as well so I'm actually paid by I get supported by Mima I get supported by local uh, magazines online I write for and obviously you know we I, I picked up the show with you and obviously my own show Project Middlesbrough that Adresa supported us with and I just think like if I'd listened to the critics I wouldn't be where I am at Do you think that if you'd listened to those critics that you wouldn't have even tried? No. You know what, right? There's always critics in everything you do. It's not even being dyslexic. It's anything like we were saying about autism. People have a perception of people who have autism, like, oh, they're not going to do much with their life and they've got this disability. It's a load of rubbish. Like, if you want to do something, you can do it. Just believe in yourself and, look, I'm on a, a local radio station and I've got two shows. I've got one with you and... We just had this idea a few weeks ago that, like, we would start a podcast. Like, we became, we got back in touch with each other and you said, I'd love to do a podcast. Three months down the line, we're sat doing it. Do you know what I mean? Nothing stops us. And I think I say to anyone who is dyslexic that, you know, because I'm lucky that the fact I only have mild dyslexia, so it doesn't affect really my day-to-day life. Like, I won't pick up a book or anything like that. Like, I will never pick up a book and read a book. I like audios more but they say that dyslexics like listening with their ears more than with their uh, mouth reading and um you know i just think you can do anything you want and having dyslexia if you've got a teacher or some negative people telling you that you're not going to amount to anything and when you leave school you're going to be a low achiever and you're going to get rubbish gcse grades or a level grades i don't know why people bring people down it's just i think my main focus and aim is to try and um try and change the way people look at dyslexics you know because i still think in 11, nine years on i mean you're a te- you've been a teacher in a school what was it like when you were teaching in schools for dyslexic students i found that we had to make obviously with special educational needs children or those with learning difficulties we've had to we had to make uh, exceptions things that would help them learn more with that putting um text on a different color background often we found that um children with dyslexia could read easier on a yellow a pale yellow background so often i'd if i had any dyslexic children in my class i'd change the slides so they're on a yellow background yeah, exactly and i think you know it's just schools adapting really and, and and being and kind of saying to these kids that have got dyslexia and even adults a lot of adults have got it and they haven't been diagnosed like it's seen by research that dyslexia um kind of is a family trait so if you've got it one of your parents will possibly have it i mean my dad for an example he you know he he can read and write like me like anything but he does struggle with his literacy and obviously when he was at school in the 70s slash 80s they didn't diagnose dyslexia like dyslexia wasn't a known thing it's only been kind of recognized in the last 30 years in the british education system and i think you know like obviously i want to have my own family and that type of thing and i think oh, i might have a child that has dyslexia and if i do i want to make sure that they don't get the same kind of negative con- connotations and kind of stereotypes that i received as a child kind of like you're not going to amount to much i'm going to tell them that 
anything's possible for them just because they're dyslexic doesn't mean they can't be high achievers and that's really important for just anyone out there that you can yeah. achieve what you want to do when you want to do it hands down and now we're going to be talking a little bit more about Chloe's experience with dyslexia except this time we're going to be focusing on how it is for her in the workplace Ooh. so Chloe like what's what is it like obviously you've got an admin job in the NHS Mm. Um, and you've been working there for over two years? Uh, the current job 16 months, but the first job a year. So around two and a half years, nearly three. Yeah. But before that, you used to work... Tesco. You used to work in Tesco. Supermarkets, other supermarkets are available to go to. <laughs> but I do remember at the time that you you didn't think that you would be able to do something like an admin job because of no. dyslexia. I remember you specifically remember you talking about that with me. Yeah, I mean, how old was I then? I was, like, 21. I started working for the NHS when I was 22. Um, I remember, like, my friend um, ended up getting an apprenticeship for the NHS, a really good apprenticeship scheme. And um, she said to me, like, look, they've got this thing where you sign up and then they put your, like, you know, like, your profile on the system and then if they think you're good enough, they'll offer you an interview with when jobs come up. And anyway, I ended up applying and... I was very honest about my dyslexia in the interview. Like I thought, I'm not like chipping around the block. I'm just going to be honest with it. I said, look, I've got a mild form of dyslexia. In my head, because I had such negative experience with a lot of people, I thought, I can't do a job where I'm like, you know, like doing systems, reading names, that type of thing, medical terminology. Anyway, I got offered a place and then I ended up started working there. And you know what? You just adapt. There's things like, in my current job, like I've said, I um, I, I say a lot of medical terminology, like hard words, you know, like that originate from like Latin terms. And all I do is I have a sheet in front of me and because I'm not used to saying it, I, I picked it up within a month. But at first I was, my anxiety was sky high starting the current job that I do because I thought I'm never going to like, um, I'm never going to get this medical terminology. Like, I I say medical, surgical words, you know, like, things like pancreatitis. I thought I'll never be able to spell it. But what I do in every shift, I get my thing out. So if I'm unsure, I know that says pancreatitis. I type it up, and it's fine. And people read the notes, and I thought, I'll have loads of people complaining, saying they can't read my writing. I've never had anything like that. And that's quite a common issue amongst people with dyslexia, isn't it? Is that they do tend to have quite low self-esteem and this has shown that going into that NHS job, you're very reluctant because you felt anxious about your abilities to be able to carry out the role. Yeah, but like two and a bit years on, I'm there and I'm I'm fine. I've, had, I've never been I've never been pulled up and had people say, you know, Chloe, we don't understand your writing. It's, it's been fine. I, I've always had really good support. And I remember once I was talking to a typist and I said, oh, I couldn't be a typist and dyslexic. And she said, well, I'm dyslexic and I'm a typist. So even then I had, like, preconceptions in my head that there's certain jobs dyslexics can't do. Preconceived notions in yeah. your mind as a dyslexic about what a dyslexic yeah. could achieve. Exactly. And I remember when I um, started the current job, I kind of, like, was talking to somebody who I used to work with. And she said to me, you'll never do that job properly and you'll never succeed at it. I said, why? Because you've got to say medical terminology and you've not, you've not got a chance. And I thought, you know what, no, I'm not having that. I'm just going to prove you wrong. 16 months down the line, I'm I'm doing it fine. It's absolutely fine. I'm no different to anyone else. Yeah, I've got to have a figure in front of me to spell the words. Sometimes I've got to ask people on the phone how to spell a certain word. But I just explain that I'm dyslexic. Um, like with my blog, I, I have to adapt. 
so I always had my work proofread um and I one one time I didn't and I kind of put it on and I think I missed like the out of a paragraph and I got like a couple of them really abusive messages like it's actually shocking how really like petty people can be over spelling without really realizing as well yeah and the thing is right I've never claimed to be, like, a professional journalist. Like, it's not a full-time thing for me. I didn't go to uni and do journalism. I don't work for a professional newspaper. I literally... It's just a blog that I do, and I upload it, and people read it. Always said my... And then... So I decided to, like, put a post about me being dyslexic and saying to people, look, this isn't something I do full-time. It's just a hobby. Um, We're not a professional newspaper. We have a lot of following, but we are just... It's just me on my own doing this. And I thought, I'll put this up and no one will, like, like it or read it or anything. And about an hour later, I went back on to the Facebook page. And I had about 70 comments from people saying I was, like, really supportive. And that made me realise that people are understanding. You just have a few nuggets out there that like to cause misery and negativity to you. But you're always going to have people like that with dyslexia, you know. People saying things about, spell the word Hannah backwards. It's like... Oh, is, that, is that the funniest you can be? You know? And when people crack jokes about dyslexia, it doesn't offend me, but it's not nice. It's you're, quite insensitive. You're born with it. Like, if you, it's like racism and homophobia. You're born a certain race. You're born gay. We don't discriminate against people like that. We shouldn't be discriminating against people with dyslexia. They're born with it. It's a disability. We shouldn't mock... We don't mock disability as in physical disability. We shouldn't be mocking learning disabilities. And that's quite similar to, like, when you hear people say, oh, I'm dyslexic because I couldn't read that just then, or... Yeah. Yeah, that's really frustrating. I'm autistic because, you know, I did something that was really um, odd just then. It's kind of frustrating because, like, I have loads of people say to me, oh, I'm dyslexic, um, I can't spell this word. And I say, oh, if you're being, like, diagnosed, and they say, no... And I'm like, well, I've been diagnosed twice. I was diagnosed at the age of nine. And I was diagnosed at the age of 19. 19 and two of the people that diagnosed me were from the uh, were recognised by the British Dyslexia Council Association. So that And I've got two reports at home to show I've got dyslexia. So as someone who suffers from it, and it's real for me, it's kind of frustrating to have people like say jokes about, oh, I suffer from it, when they don't. Because it's, it's quite similar to many people you know being quite particular about things and saying oh i'm auto- I, i've got ocd yeah i've got ocd and you say well you know there's people out there who have real issues that are actually medically diagnosed with these conditions who go through hell every single day and to make light of it is quite insensitive i think i think it's just educating people so what we need to do is we need to educate people about dyslexia because if you went in a street and said to people what what is dyslexia most people would say it's somebody who can't it's someone who can't read. That's not true. Dyslexics can read. Someone with low intelligence, someone who isn't gonna achieve much. It's about educating people, like with all sorts topics, things like racism, we've got to educate people. And I think doing this podcast and you know, I, I rarely get here dyslexia being talking about on any media platforms. You have to go looking for it. There's a lot of support on the um British Dyslexia Website Association, brilliant website supporting dyslexics. But unless you go looking for it, you don't know much about it. And there's a lot of people who haven't been diagnosed because if you were at school 30, 40 years ago, they didn't recognise it. Um, 
so there's been people, adults, that have struggled all through their lives, and because they weren't given the support in the education system, they most probably had very frustrating times throughout their lives. That's why it's really important that we are speaking about this today on our podcast. So I think we're going to go for another break, and then when we come back, we'll be talking about some famous dyslexics, people who you might not know have got dyslexia, but that that surprisingly have made it very far in their field. Yeah, exactly, and some of them, honestly, are quite the... Honestly, you'd be shocked. So now, so Chloe, you have made a list, if you will, of famous dyslexics that people might, our listeners might not even recognise as being dyslexic because of their high achievements. Yep, let's go for it. Okay, so these are some really famous dyslexics. First one, Albert Einstein. You wouldn't believe that one, would you? No. One of the cleverest, is he a first? He's one of the most renowned physicists there is out there hands down another one is thomas edison the light bulb yeah the light bulb concept of the light bulb electricity electricity so they're two people who have been such an impact on history um another one from history is leonardo da vinci who kind of had a lot of crazy inventions more modern popular culture we've got Actually, this is one from history that's actually a mind blow. One of the most successful authors of all time, like British authors or even worldwide, um, Agatha Christie. Poirot, Miss Marple. Yeah, she's like, anyone doesn't know who she is. You should know who she is. She's a very well-known crime author. Yeah, she was um, mildly dyslexic. Um, And she does something where, you know, writing, which is very much to do with... She writes, she wrote for a living. Yeah. Another one from popular culture is Keira Knightley, the actress. She's uh, reading scripts. Yeah, that's thing you're linking it to like the job that they do. So obviously with her, she's reading scripts. Often and, that's quick turnaround as well. Yeah. That she's got to learn these scripts. She's very much openly talked about it. Another actress, Jennifer Aniston from Friends. Oh wow, Rachel. that's one that I did certainly didn't know. Nope, she's also a dyslexic. She's hands down part of the most successful TV franchises there is out there in the world, definitely. Although I personally wouldn't agree that it's the uh, it's the best. I don't mind friends. I don't mind it. Another one, a British one that most people know is Holly Willoughby from um, This Morning. She's she's someone who obviously does a lot of live television. Um, I think, uh, she has to read off an article often. Yeah, which again might be quite difficult. She's another one that's a. Uh, a very famous and proud dyslexic. They're kind of just a list of many famous people. In a lot of different fields. And that's it. That's what's interesting. We've said there are two actresses, a presenter that does live telly, three inventors. Um, a writer. A writer. A princess. This isn't really to do with the job, but Princess Beatrice has dyslexia. It just shows you that they're all quite... They all require literacy. And they're very creative. So this idea that most dyslexics are creative, that kind of... um, Kind of fits the mould. Kind of, yeah. Kind of backs up that theory, I think. Definitely. Like, with me doing my radio and my writing, I definitely think that that is true, that we are more... I don't know, like... We have a creative outlet. And it really shows that, like, you can do anything that you want to. And you're not inhibit, You're not prohibited just because of the disorder that you have. No. I think if anyone ever says that you can't do something, do it. 
you if can't... anything, it could take you a little bit more time than other people, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, it does, like, writing for me takes most probably for me to crack or, you know, like, crack on and write an essay. It most probably takes me maybe an hour more than it takes you, but I still do it, and I'm still determined to do it. And I've had some of my stuff re- um, read out on BBC Tees, and I've been on Radio 5. I mean... It's more effort and it's more patience and it does it is frustrating at times. It's not easy. It's not a walk in the park being dyslexic. But if you want if you have a dream and you want to achieve it, like anyone, even if you're not dyslexic, you'll um you'll work hard. But dyslexics do have to work a little bit harder. That's something that I'm not gonna deny. I think we have to work harder. When I passed my English I had to stay back after school and I knew if I hadn't done that I wouldn't have passed. But you just you know, life life's achievements is about working hard. I think that's a hundred percent true. And that's not to say that it's not achievable. Anything's you possible. You just need determination to get there. Exactly. Anything's so, possible. So now I think we'll go for another song break. Yes, I'm gonna go for the. Uh, I think it's a Libertarians, and then what are we gonna be covering after this quick break? We'll be switching it up a little bit. We'll be looking at ASD or Autistic Spectrum Disorder, and just discussing how. Autism is often misdiagnosed or underdiagnosed within women. And now we're going to be discussing a little bit about autism spectrum disorder and how it's misdiagnosed or undiagnosed within women. So for those of you who maybe don't quite know what autism is or would like a more um, more definitive term for what it is, Autism is um, a lifelong developmental disability and it usually appears in early childhood and it impacts things like social skills, communication and self-regulation. It's on a spectrum, so it means that it affects people um, differently and to varying degrees. So within the checklist that is used to diagnose autism is a male model of autism. So that means that um, often... GPs or um, experts that are trying to diagnose these girls with autism are looking at a male um, criteria of traits that girls often don't fit in with. There's a massive um, perception, I think, with most of the general public that autism is mainly just like within men, not women. Like, I think if you ask most people... You would they would say that eighty five percent of or people who have autism um, are male when actually it's it's a lot higher, isn't it, for women? And there's a lot of women who aren't actually getting diagnosed with the with it. I think even if I was to think about someone with autism, I'd probably automatically think about a male. Definitely, I I I would, and I think that's because. The way, not even the media, just like generally how it's perceived through everyone in the public, it, it is just associated with a male. But the fact that the spectrum is designed for a male kind of shows, though, doesn't it, that it's kind of against women from the get-go. Well, the thing is with the with female presenting traits is that often girls, yeah, they do become obsessed by things uh, uh, like boys do. So boys can often be be obsessed by like train schedules. Whereas girls are more obsessed by horses or unicorns, and people might think parents might think, oh well, it's a normal girl girly interest to have horses, but it's an obsessive interest in this thing, and often 
girls will try to fit in socially they they're more inclined to want to fit in with their peers so they will sometimes give um the odd smile or try to maintain eye contact which are things that are quite difficult for people with autism things that you know which you don't really expect um and they can often become worried about when they move from being a young girl to into being a teenager their peers might maybe be into boys a little bit more than they are because they might take a bit longer to get into that kind of phase yeah i think kind of like what, what do you think needs to be done to change the way we see autism within girls so maybe girls getting diagnosed and maybe that diagnosis within a child gets missed because it is a boy's spectrum and everyone, even most probably GPs are guilty of doing it, thinking that it's just boys that get this, that get autism. See, if it's a GP that maybe just goes by the book, they're going to look at this model, this criteria, and think, well, this child doesn't fit in with this, this criteria, so that therefore they might not have this thing. And it's just realising that it does present differently within girls. And being aware of that and and also the fact that the um, the National Autistic Society said that they, although experts say that it's it's three to one in a ratio of male to girls with, uh, male to female with autism, they actually think that it might mo- be more close to two to one. Well, that's really interesting. I don't think anyone who's a slim would actually think that that was So I think it case. is quite important that there is more awareness of the fact that traits can present differently in women and that girls can have autism. And it does affect their life in an equal way that it would with a male. I think that was a really good kind of, just a light conversation about a subject that I don't think he really either of us know too much about. But on this, we always like to, don't we, talk about things that don't get discussed. Yeah, we don't. Off- it's not like we ever claim to be experts, but we do like yeah. to bring these issues to light that might have un- otherwise been swept under the rug. That's it, and I think the aim of this this kind of show is to. Um, is to give people a voice and hopefully will help other people to speak because i always say like if you if you've got something that you want to talk about please go talk about it if it's dyslexia autism mental health anything like that do something like a podcast get talking to your friends you know if there's something that you think that we should be tackling that we haven't looked at please reach out to us through the cvfm radio page or you can contact chloe through project middlesbrough on instagram or you, or you can contact us on our email, which is the Millennial Insider Podcast at gmail.com. We we would welcome anyone who thinks that they're a voice that needs to be heard. Definitely. I think we've had a really good show today. I think we've discussed some really good issues, and I'm happy, yeah. I'm happy with sort of. That's the first time I've ever kind of discussed my dyslexia that openly. It was really quite. I think a, it's brave, and I think it will, it will make pe- other people with other issues in their life regardless of whether that's dyslexia or not yeah. realize that they can they can achieve things if they put their mind to yeah. it and their effort into it right well i think we're pretty much done today thank you everyone for listening um and obviously you can listen to our show on um more most mainstream uh most mainstream platforms you know that i can't say that word. that includes apple podcasts spotify we're on soundcloud and we're also on mixcloud yes so yeah stay safe And we'll see you next time.
thank you for listening to our podcast. Check out our Instagram at CVFM Radio and please share our podcast with your friends if you enjoyed listening.